and welcome to this week's Decepticast, the sixth episode and the final uh, movie wrap-up segment. I'm your host, Scott, as always, and like I said, on this week's show, we're going to be finishing the movie wrap-up segment by basically uh, covering anything that was not covered on the previous segments. So sit back, relax, we're going to jump right into it now on Decepticast. Uh, this week's movie wrap-up, we're going to cover the Legends, the Real Gear Robots, and basically all the other odds and ends that the movie line spawned. And there were a few, to say the least. In short, I'm going to make this one longer and just cover everything left from the year. Strap in, keep your legs and arms and legs inside the tram, and let's go. We'll start with the Legends. These little guys first popped up in the Cybertron series, and they must have sold well because they continued since then and are planned for the future for Universe. I know that I love the tiny figures. I have all the currently released ones, except for the second series of classics. But I digress. The movie was no slouch in the Legends department, with 12 new molds and 10 repaints. The movie also introduced the concept of two-packs, as the last 14 figures were released in all Spark Battle two-packs. I've gotten the molds down to my top three with an honorable mention, and my top two repaints. The number one Legends mold, for me, is Bone Crusher. His little vehicle mode is very detailed for its small size, and actually has posability with his blade arm. Transformation is very simple, as with all the Legends. Robot mode is great, a perfect mini bone crusher. Except for the ends of the vehicle mode sticking out of his hands, this is an amazingly detailed and accurate version of the bus ripper. Legends score their most points when they are a great representation of, larger, of their larger counterparts, and Bone Crusher passes with flying colors, in addition to being a great figure on his own. Coming in second is Ironhide. I saw the prototype Legends Ironhide at the 2007 Hasbro Tour at BotCon, and I'm happy to say that this one is much better despite being a lot small, smaller. It's a very accurate miniature, miniature top kick in vehicle mode, Transformation is actually a little more complicated than the average Legend, but still a lot of fun. Robot, robot mode is fairly wide, but still very accurate. It's not as poseable as Bone Crusher, but Ironhide is a fun toy nonetheless. He's fairly accurate again, if a little wide. I just love this little guy and think he's a great figure. Maybe not the best Legend, period, but definitely one of the best in the movie line. And third comes another cool figure of the Legend size, Barricade. The Mustang Saline mode is appropriately shrunk, and although it's missing some details, it still has the police wording and the little police logos. Transformation is actually very similar to the Deluxe. Robot mode looks very good. He's very articulated with several ball joints. The figure is fairly accurate, too, making him a great Legends release. My honorable mention goes to Scorponok. He's essentially the same as the Deluxe, yet scores major points for actually being more opposable than his larger counterpart. The worst legend is Prime. His vehicle mode is tiny, even by legend standards, and the robot isn't really posable, and it doesn't look much like Prime. Not only that, but why is Prime shorter than everyone else? Now, onto the repaints. My top repaints are ones that never saw release in other lines. Desert Blackout is number one. The color scheme isn't the greatest, but it's a new version of one of my favorite Decepticons, and I like the purple that was chosen to complement the brown. It would be interesting to see this in a bigger toy. Stealth, Scar Stealth Starscream, that's a m mouthful, is number two. I love these colors, and if the mold didn't have so many problems, it would have been my number one. Starscream's form is drenched in black, but it's blended very well. This figure I would love to see in a larger size. 
It takes an okay mold and makes it look much cooler. The worst repaint of the Legends is Battle Damaged Bumblebee. A little splotch of black on his headlight and alterations to his racing stripes do not constitute a repaint. <clears throat> now we move on to the real gears. These robots were a cool little subline of Autobots and Decepticons that turned into everyday items, probably based in the, on the scene in the movie where the Nokia comes to life. Eight molds were released with eight repaints. My top three molds start with High Score 100. His controller mode is very cool, a little too small, but a very accurate combination of a couple of different controllers. It's detailed, too. Transformation is nice, even with a little bit of automorph, which most real gears lack. I particularly love High Score's robot mode. It's short, but stocky. I feel his proportions give him a lot of character. He's got several ball joints as well, and he's very poseable despite his odd propor proportions. High Score is an awesome little robot with lots of power in the small body. Number two is Zoom Out, uh, X25, I think. Camera mode is compact and realistic, yet it is a little too small. Transformation is easy, no automorph here. But the best thing about Zoom Out is his insect-like robot mode. It's very poseable, even if the arms are weirdly jointed. But between his claws and his beetle wings, he definitely gives off a bug vibe. I like it. The real gears need character, and this guy has it. Not to mention his cyborg eye. Zoom Out is just cool. It's a shame he's never seen a repaint. For third place, I chose Speed Dial and whatever his numbers are. Cell phone mode is actually fairly accurate. Well, as accurate as a toy can be. I love the little detail of the time being 747, the date of the movie release. His robot mode is very cool looking. I feel that it has a very old school look to him, oh, with his one cyclop eye and his little claws. This is probably the most controversial choice for the top molds, but I like him a lot. The worst mold, mold, I always get that word mixed up, sorry. The worst mold is game over, whatever. The neon green and pink clash with the gray, and his colors are very bad. Add to that, that very misproportioned in robot mode, and he's got very strange joints, and add all that up, and you've got the worst of the bunch. Out of the repaints, I only have two that stand out. Ironically, my favorite repaint is one of the, is of the worst mold. Hacker, random assortment of numbers, takes the, the dumb Photoshop art and makes a cool screenshot from the actual Transformers game, you know, on the screen of his little video game mode. The boring gray is swapped for a cool dark blue, and all the various neon colors are all now all various shades of blue, making them match. It looks so much better. My next choice is Photon, another assortment of numbers. He's a black repaint, which we all know I love, but it's even better than that because his first release was a boring gray with shades of other gray. Not to mention that Photon has some cool gold highlights and the pick of good old Frenzy on the back instead of, uh, I forget who it was, I think it was Override? No, Override was Zoom Out. Let's go check Spy Shot. And uh, looking at Spy Shot here, he's a picture of Cybertron Ransack on the back of him. I don't That's a very, very odd choice. So needless to say, Frenzy is much better. The worst repaint is Highline Assortment of Numbers. Sorry, we already got the best repaint of Speed Dial possible, Wiretap, a black and red repaint. We don't need another, especially a repaint that is basically bright red. One repaint is enough. Thank you. The older lines of Transformers was not spared from the movie Insanity either. 
Target got its own line of scouts, and there were eight other releases of larger sizes. Out of the eight larger molds, two of which I have met have yet to be released, the only one that really caught my interest, and in my opinion the best of the eight, is Big Daddy. Not only did they take a very good mold, painted it black with great flame decos, but they also made it a homage to the <laughs> a homage that only fans would get. One of the more famous Micromasters, probably for his silly name, Big Daddy is now one great toy. He's definitely the best of the bunch and a must-buy. Target had a whole line of 12 releases from Energon and Cybertron, all of the scout size. The best figure is clear. He's certainly my favorite. The top Target scout is Armorhide. Going back to my review of Huffer, and I think the second show, this mold is amazing. Great in both modes, no kibble, and superposability. And this is a black repaint. The colors fit him like a glove. He's got a great silver and yellow details, too. It blows the original armor height out of the water. I particularly like the, ye the yellow and black warning line on him. In fact, I don't think any of the other target scouts can touch armor height. I do want to give an honorable mention to Warpath, though. Hasbro took a color scheme that was meant for a tank and applied it very well to a Jeep. The worst of the target line is Signal Flare. The mold was the worst Omnicon, and the colors are just boring. We didn't need more signal flare. Sorry. Whew, well, that was a lot to cover, and did everyone get all that in addition to the deluxes, voyagers, and leaders? There's certainly a lot to go over, and there's not we're not done yet. Now that we've basically covered the whole main line, it's time to cover all the myriad sublines of the movie. I covered the whole fast action battler line in detail back in show two, covering every single one of your figures. Go back on iTunes and check it out. So, for time reasons, I'll skip them. First, let's talk about the robot replicas. These were versions of our favorite bots, which didn't transform, but were very detailed, movie accurate, and poseable. Sort of like the Action Masters. Uh, kinda. These were pretty cool, especially, especially since they had interchangeable accessories, but were bogged down by not having a lot of paint apps, and the joints were these weird new ball numbers that didn't work all the time. For all the talk of these guys being posable, they were very oddly jointed, especially Megatron. Still, for what they were, they were pretty cool. They were, you know, pretty much spared the repaint treatment, only releasing battle-damaged versions of Prime and Megs for the Walmart 2-pack. So, well, you know, not really a lot to discuss in that territory. But in terms of the molds, the one I recommend the most is Frenzy, because it is the best representation of the movie character. Plus, it is really posable, and we never got a movie-accurate figure in any other line. It's much better than Fast Action Battler Frenzy. His accessory is right from the movie, unlike, uh, unlike Prime's outdated gun, and Frenzy's look, looks great either way, with either accessory attached, his hand or his gun. Frenzy is probably the most posable, because he doesn't have a lot of those weird click-ball joints. I'd probably say that he is the most posable. He can even shoot a star from his chest, which is actually an action feature which all of the robot replicas don't have an action feature. Next, coming in second, this is really more of a personal choice. I like Jazz a lot since he's more movie accurate to the, than more movie accurate than the Deluxe with uh, thicker arms and no kibble. He's not bogged down by the articulation issues that plague the other figure figures either. So, he's definitely up there. He's definitely my second choice. I like him a lot, but he does lose points. He's bogged down because because his accessory sucks. It's a pole with the blaster attached on the end. It looks bad attached to Jazz. It's not very good looking. I doubt it looked like that in the movie, although we never did get a very good look at it. 
Uh, Robot Replicas Jazz is nice to complement my jazz collection, but I think coming down to it, the best jazz of the entire movie line is probably the premium. The worst Robot Replica is Megatron. He's got a very boring color scheme, and his arms are so oddly jointed they're not really functional. Robot Replicas are a nice subline. In my opinion, not as good as the Robot Heroes or Cyber Slammers, but still, it's a great effort. They're nice to augment collections, but if you wanted to skip them due to their problems and non-transforming, that's okay. I personally love the Cyber Slammers, which we'll talk about next. They're great Chibified versions of the movie bots. Any cute versions of the big bad bots is great with me, and see my intense love for Robot Heroes as an example of that. But these guys and their push-down-and-go feature is just... They're all just fun. I can understand why some people wouldn't want to spend the money on them, as they are something very different. But you don't know fun until you have Cyber Slammer races, as me and my girlfriend have done on many occasions. In terms of best molds, it's interesting because they all look great in the Cyber Slammer style. They're all good. So choosing the best Cyber Slammer mold really depends on your favorite character. I love Ironhide and Jazz, so my opinion is that those two are the best. It all depends on, a ta on your taste for these guys. Only two repaints for this subline. Patrol Barricade is something nice and different, although Cliffjumper is pretty, pretty bland. So that's the best and worst right there. Cyber Slammers are so much fun. I can't stress that enough. But they are, they are simple and aimed at a younger crowd too. So while I definitely think fans should check them out, they're not necessary for movie collections. Still, I think anyone should at least pick up their favorite Autobot. The movie also introduced Transformers into the role-play world with the voice change helmet and five blasters. Out of the six items, the one I can really recommend for collectors is the Prime Helmet. Yes, it will fit on your head. It will fit on adult heads. I hate to admit it, but I've worn it several times. But besides that goodness, it's a great accurate representation of Prime and makes an awesome collection centerpiece. The voice changing only works okay, but he's got the transformation sounds and some cool phrases. Only make sure you only get the Peter Cullen version. I can't stress that enough. Peter Cullen is Prime. He is awesome, and his voice makes the helmet. I bought the Cyber Stomper Prime too early and suffered for it. If the helmet's not Cullen, don't bother. I know I sound like a total fanboy, but it's true his rich voice and the familiarity it brings makes the purchase. As for the blasters go, they're all pretty standard. Collectors shouldn't worry too much about these, as there's nothing incredibly exceptional about them. If I had to pick the best, I would say the Ratchet Blaster. It actually looks cool a lot like his laser, it looks a lot like his laser from the film, and the transforming action is kind of fun despite having some annoying sound effects. So I like it, although the 20 bucks is probably better off towards a Voyager. The worst is the Prime Blaster from Walmart. The first release was cumbersome and boring, and paying 20 bucks for one slap with Movie Prime's paint scheme doesn't cut it. It just looks bad. For the Cyber Stompers, we have Prime and Bumblebee. These are okay. I can't really recommend them to collectors and fans at all, unlike the Cyber Slammers. They're nicely stylized. They look kind of cool, but unless you're going to go stomping them around, they don't do much. Each have sound effects, lights, and a punching feature, but they're clearly made for bashing around. Prime's cooler than Bumblebee, better looking, but neither of these is worth the money that could be spent on a nice Voyager, four sets of robot heroes, or even that Ratchet Blaster I just talked about. 
And the Unleashed subline had a scant three releases. Now, this is sort of a holdover from the Star Wars Unleashed line. And even Marvel's getting some Unleashed releases now. So Transformers had to go at it, um, unfortunately, with only three releases. So obviously it didn't go over too well. But I like some of them. I think they're all okay. Nothing too exceptional. But let's talk about each of the molds. Bumblebee was the first and the best. It doesn't transform or move at all, so it's really more of a statue. Obviously, it's meant for collectors. Bumblebee, like I said, is definitely tops. He's a little poorly painted. It looks like a lot of details were missed. Still, the statue is very dynamic and enjoyable. I really like the pose, and it's a great design. It's very, it's very like action-oriented posing. It looks very nice. Uh, like the Prime Helmet, it makes a great add-on piece to your collection. The two turnarounds don't fare as well. Their special design, which the vehicle on one side and the robot on the other, it makes them awkward to display. And they're both, you know, it's just strange because the Transformers themselves, the robots, are actually a very small part of the mass of the figure. Optimus Prime and Megatron, like, they're a very small part of the figure. Megatron's turnaround is a little cooler with the ice and the fire motif. Even if Megs himself is a little odd-looking, the hands aren't accurate to the movie. But other than that, it does look pretty cool. It looks very nice, him busting out of the ice. It's very much more dynamic than Optimus, who is the worst Unleashed, because Optimus Prime is simply the colors. They're mostly, the colors of this figure is mostly a boring brown. And Optimus, he's in a very awkward pose. He's like, sort of kneeling. And add that to the fact that he has his gun arm, which was not in the movie. It just makes the worst Unleashed. There were two more Unleashed planned. There was uh, Ratchet and Jazz, like sort of bursting out of an Autobot symbol. And Blackout and Barricade, obviously, bursting out of a Decepticon symbol. <coughs> Excuse me. I really like these a lot because they gave a really cool look at the robots, a very dynamic pose of the robots. Had some of my favorite characters on them. And although they were billed as turnarounds, they weren't really turns around, turnarounds because the back was just a symbol, which obviously we all know what the Autobot and Decepticon symbols look like. We don't need to display them that way. So I really wish they weren't canceled because they looked very cool, but unfortunately they were. So Bumblebee is the best and Prime was the worst. The movie also invaded the Transformers Titanium line, which had a line of 3-inch releases and larger tra actually transforming 6-inch releases. But the movie had several 3-inch releases, 11 total. These guys are nice little figures, although they're a little messy since they try to jam all the intricate movie details on the tiny metal figures. So there's nothing exceptional about them, although if you like a certain character, they do make a nice collectible. If I had to pick the best, I would probably say Brawl first and then Ratchet. Brawl isn't exactly movie accurate, but I'm surprised by how much they got into the little figure. The cow catchers, the missiles, the back cannons, and both both arm weapons. He looks good, more streamlined than any other brawls. Ratchet coming in second is actually colored a little weird, what with his green face. But the fact that he's proportioned like the film character is a big plus, very tall and thin. It's more than I can say about Voyager Ratchet. That alone scores in big points. The worst mold is probably Megatron. It's a very intricate design, and even the big molds have trouble replicating that. So this small guy just looks like a mush pile. It's messy, and it doesn't translate. The last bit of movie goodness that I haven't covered are the Robot Heroes. And since I love them so much, I'm going to dedicate an entire segment to them at a later date. 
I love the movie ones even better than the G1 ones. So look for a special segment on those little buddies coming up. Probably next show, I'm going to go over each figure in depth because I certainly think they deserve it. When, you know, I remember when I got up at 6 a.m. to be at Walmart's door with my girlfriend and my friend Tom. It was such an exciting day, coming home with a huge haul. Little did I know the exciting year that would follow with a whole lot of fun hunting and great figures. It was an event, you know. I really hope the June 22nd release of Animated is kind of like that, even though I have most of the figures. Because it was a really special event, and it kicked off the movie line great. The line itself was an awesome ride, a time when Transformers were everywhere and brought into the limelight. It was truly an amazing time to be a fan. The toys were remarkable, breathtaking, and it's only going to get better in the future. So, I salute you, movie line. You were enjoyed. Farewell. And now, on to Animated Universe and, of course, Transformers 2. And that'll do it for this week's Decepticast, Episode 6. And I had to throw a little bit of Stan Bush in there at the end. I can't have a Decepticast without him. So I hope you enjoyed the look at the movie line, going through all the figures. I hope you had as much fun with it as I did. Uh, as look for the next episode next week. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. For more Transformers information, stop by www.cybertron.com, Cybertron with an S-E-I, or the blog at decepticast.blogspot.com. If you have any questions for the show, if you'd like to get on the show, if you'd like an email answered, you'd like to see something reviewed or talked about, just simply drop me a line at decepticast at gmail.com. I will be happy to read it on the air and discuss it. So once again, I hope you enjoyed the show, and don't forget to spread the word, and tune in next week for another episode of Decepticast. But until then, fellow trans fans, I'll see you.